Thank you, Brother Morgan. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's a delight again to be here in this our conference this uh, Friday morning. It's good to know the Lord. And I appreciate what I've heard throughout this conference, and what we just heard from Brother White a few moments ago was a tremendous message, and I appreciate it. Can you say amen? amen. All the messages yesterday were such a tremendous blessing starting with Brother Shatwell. What a marvelous message that he preached yesterday morning. Amen. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then Brother Keyes, of course, following him, a great message. And then Brother Johnson, a great message. I thoroughly enjoyed yesterday, all day, and then Brother White last night as well as this morning. And I'm looking forward to hearing Brother Johnson again today and Brother uh, Keyes again tonight. So this has been a great meeting. And I'd like to thank those that are on the uh, committee for the ARC conference for inviting me to come. I look forward to coming, and uh, it's a joy to be here in Tulsa and to be in this great meeting. And to be with Brother Gary Howard is a treat again. I love and appreciate this good man of God. Amen. I deeply appreciate Brother Howard. I've known him for a long time, and I honor him and respect him as a man of God and uh, appreciate his ministry so much just being who he is and the great man of God that he is. And uh, I praise the Lord for him. And also Brother Morgan. I appreciate Brother Morgan, his family. I've known him a long time. A long time, Brother Morgan. Yeah, that's right. I, <clears throat> I was uh, pastor of his dad mom. I think I saw them here. I know they've been here during the services. And uh, <clears throat> when Brother Morgan was very, very small, I don't know how... <clears throat> I'm talking about uh, what year were you born in, Brother Morgan? He was born in 1962. I was his pastor in 1963, so he was pretty small back then. He don't he don't remember me pastoring him, but anyhow, <clears throat> you know, if I'd had a little longer with him, folks, you know. <laughs> no, Brother Morgan is a great preacher, one of the finest preachers I know. I love and appreciate him, don't you? Praise God. Praise God. So I appreciate Brother Howard, Brother Morgan, all of these men, Brother Shatwell, Brother uh, Schweitzer, Brother Stacy, and all of these men that are outstanding men of God that have made this meeting possible. It's a joy to be here with you again. God bless you. And to see all the ministers and the great saints of God that have gathered together for this meeting, this has been an excellent meeting. The Spirit of the Lord has been upon it. And I love the Word of God, don't you? How many appreciate the move of the Spirit? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I appreciate God's Word and His Spirit. And uh, we've certainly had both of those in this meeting. It's been a truly outstanding meeting, and it appears to me that it's growing. Even from a couple of years ago when I was here, uh, you can see growth in the day uh, crowd as well as the evening crowd. And so uh, that's a good, healthy sign. And I thank the Lord for the privilege to be here. Would you turn to Judges chapter number uh, 5 with me? <clears throat> Judges chapter number uh, 5 and verse number 1. Judges chapter 5 and verse number 1. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinam, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. 
Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praises to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when thou winnest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped water, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. Now let's go down to verse 14, if you will, the same chapter. Out of Ephraim was there a root of them against Amalek. After thee, Benjamin, among thy people, out of Mekar came down governors, and out of Zebulun they that handled the pen of the writer. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Even Issachar and also Barak. He was sent on foot in the valley for the divisions of Reuben. There were great thoughts of heart. Why boldest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleedings of the flock? For the divisions of Reuben there were great searchings of heart. Gilead abode beyond Jordan. And why did Dan remain in ships? Asher continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Zebulun and Nephtali were a people that that jeoparded their lives under the death in the high places of the field. The kings came and fought. They fought the kings of Canaan and Tanak by the waters of Megiddo. They, they took no gain of money. They fought from heaven. The stars and their courses fought against Sisera. The river of Kishon swept them away, that ancient river, the river Kishon. O my soul, thou hast trodden down strength. Then were the horse hoofs broken by the means of the prancings, the prancings of their mighty one. Curse ye, Mirage, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly, the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Now, I've read from the fifth chapter of Judges, 1 through 5, verse 14 through 23. And uh, I noticed that Throughout this chapter, this is a song. Actually, this chapter is a song. It's a song that uh, Deborah and Barak sing. And they sing this song as a result of a battle that was just fought. This song had several verses in it. It may not uh, rhyme so well, May not always sounded so good, but uh, they sung the whole song in the fifth chapter of the book of Judges. They sing about the battle. And I want to speak to you this morning for a little while, and my subject is, where were you during the battle? Brother uh, Howard, why don't you come and pray? Would you come out here and Lead us in prayer, and let's ask God to touch us in these next few Please join with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your visitation. We thank you, Lord, for the word that's already spoken to our hearts and stirred us to draw closer to you. God, as Brother Godare comes to deliver the word of the Lord today, I pray for a special anointing to rest upon him. I pray, God, that you would speak through him the direction and the words that we need for these times and this hour that we're living in. Let a special anointing rest upon this congregation. Help us to unite our spirits together as one. 
Help us, O oh God, to receive the word of the Lord. Let your perfect will be accomplished today in Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. God bless you today. Amen. <clears throat> the text that I have read today, as I mentioned, is part of a song. It is a part of a song of triumph. And this particular song bore out the reciting and the reliving of a glorious victory that had been won by the people of God over Sisera and the Canaanites. And when you listen to this song, as it were, that's being sung in the fifth chapter of Judges, it is a song that mentions each one of the tribes. And in this song, it mentions the part are the role that each tribe had in the battle in order to gain the victory. Amen. And uh, they had all enjoyed the spoils. They all enjoyed the spoils of the victory. And they all enjoyed the peace that came as a result of that victory. Everybody enjoys the victory, but not everybody is involved in the battle. Amen. Everybody enjoys the spoils that are taken as a result of victory, but not everybody enjoys the fight. But there cannot be a victory unless there's a fight, unless there's a battle. And I personally believe this morning that we as an apostolic church are in the fight of our life. Somebody wrote a song and said, it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's fight, not a game. And I believe that. We're in the fight of our life. And it's time for the true church to stand up and be counted and take a stand for that which is right. Amen. I said the church is in the fight for its existence. I don't come here this morning with a negative message, but I'm going to say plainly what I feel today. There's a tremendous amount of pressure that is being exercised against the true apostolic church in this hour. However, I don't believe that the true church has ever, I will now, back away from the fight. Hallelujah. I said, we're not going to back away from the fight. The Bible says, when you've done all to stand, just stand. Having your lawns girt about with truth. And Paul even told us to stand fast. And I've seen folks that can run fast, but they can't stand fast. 
Hallelujah. I said it's time for the true church today to stand up, stand for truth, stand in defense of the gospel. And no matter what the attacks of the world are against this gospel today, it's going to stand. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but His Word shall never pass away. It'll live and abide forever. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in this song, as Deborah begins to name the tribes, she said there's Zebulun and Nephtali. And here's what she's saying about them. They jeoparded their lives unto death in the high places of the field. That was a compliment. Brother, they stood out there when the battle was raging and they jeoparded their lives even unto death in the high places of the field. Then she said, there was a great victory. Verse 20 said, the stars in their courses fought for the right. Amen. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. Amen. God's on the side of this church. I don't believe we're in a sinking ship. I don't believe the church is going down. I don't believe this is a defeated, bedraggled, discouraged have backslid church. Everything that claims to be Pentecostal is not Pentecostal. Everything that claims to be apostolic is not apostolic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I heard of a preacher the other day that baptizes in Jesus' name, Brother Morgan, but he said, I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus' name. And he said, that way, I know I'm right. My response is, that way, I know you're confused and don't believe the truth. <laughs> Hallelujah! There's only one way the true church ever baptized, and that's in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. Hallelujah. 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 The Holy Ghost is not a byproduct of salvation. It's not a PS or an addendum to. It's the birth of the Spirit and is absolutely essential to being saved. Praise God. Praise God. Any apostolics here this morning? Hallelujah. It still takes repentance to be saved. It still takes water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ to be saved. It still takes the Holy Ghost to be saved. It still takes the understanding that Jesus is the mighty God to be saved. For except you believe that I am He, you shall die in your sins. 
Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Preacher told me a while back, he said, you folks that believe that are a dying breed. You're going to become extinct. And I said, not on your life. When the Lord comes, there's going to be a rapture ready, apostolic, Jesus name, one God church that's going to go up in the rapture. We're not a vanishing breed. We're not a dying church. This church is still alive with Holy Ghost power and the anointing of truth upon it. Hallelujah. Shout to God, somebody. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now then, she singles out in her song, uh, Issachar, Ephraim and the Benjamites and gives praise to all of them for the part that they played and the role that they played in the battle. Because you see, an entire nation has won a victory. And honor is being given in this song to the tribes that were valiant in battle. Honor was being given. Praise God. But then I notice that the tone changes after the song lifts up the tribes that had done well, Zebulun, Nephtali, Issachar, Ephraim, the Benjamites, and so on. Then the tone of the song changes. The next few verses is a little bit different. Indignation was expressed in this song at those that were passive and still enjoyed the spoils of the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some people fought in the battle and others did not fight. It's the same way in the church today. Some are fighting and some are not. Some are working and some are not. Some are praying and some are not. Some are fasting and some are not. Some are giving and some are not. Some are sacrificing and some are not. As it was then, so is it now. I believe it's time we get a song out and begin to sing about those that are taking a stand for God and are willing to fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are folks in all of our churches that work. And we've also got some in our churches that don't work. Or maybe that's just the way it is in North Carolina. Maybe in Oklahoma and Colorado, everybody works real hard for their church. But in our part of the country, we've got some that work and we've got some that don't. One pastor told me one time, he said, I've got a church that's 100% willing. I said, man, I can't believe it. Never saw such a church. And he said, 50% is willing to work, and the other 50% is willing to let them work. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I understand. <laughs> Praise God. I understand exactly what you're saying. But in a church, some people are willing to work, and some are not. You get in a building program, and you'll find out who's willing to work. 
Can I just say what I feel like saying? You call a work night at the church, and it's amazing. It's the same ones that come every time, and the same ones stay home every time. I read in a magazine the other day that the average pastor, after he builds a new church, that the tenure and length of his pastorate is 11 months. After a pastor builds a new church, this is nationwide of all churches, the pastor stays 11 months. Hallelujah. And it said the reason was that the pastor, one of the reasons given was that he got so disappointed and disgusted with people that could do everything else but come and work, that there was a loss of confidence from the pulpit to the pew and a loss of rapport. And one thing led to another. People that found time to shop and visit and do other things, yet they couldn't find time to work on the church. There's some folks that if you call a prayer meeting, they've got time to go to the mall, but they don't have time to come to a prayer meeting. That some folks, if you, if you take a sacrifice offering, as we heard so capably yesterday morning, they've got money for everything else, but no money for the kingdom of God. I say it's time for the true church to stand up today and be counted. Amen. But you know, the amazing thing is that these folks that don't work and they don't pray much and they don't sacrifice, they enjoy the same preaching that the others enjoy. They enjoy the same music that the others enjoy. They enjoy the same choir that the others enjoy. They get all the benefits of the church just like those who are working gifts. Hallelujah. Can I hear a witness? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I heard the old story about the elephant and the flea that crossed the bridge. And of course the flea was on the back of the elephant. And when he went across and looked back at the bridge, the little flea spoke up and said, We shucked that bridge, didn't we? We really shucked that bridge. Praise God. That's the way a lot of folks are. You do the praying, you do the fasting, you do the witnessing, you do the worship, and I'll be here uh, to kindly monitor the thing. I had a fellow tell me years ago, he said, and he wasn't a preacher, he said, God put me in the church to keep preachers straight. He, do you know him? Praise God. He's moved to Colorado, bless God. He told me that. He wasn't even a preacher, didn't claim to be a preacher, but he said, God called me to be in the church and keep the preacher straight. Praise God. Well, in less than 30 days, he decided there wasn't no hope for me, and so he was going home somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, he came to Colorado, bless God. Hallelujah. I don't believe for a minute that God's ever called one layman or one saint to monitor the pulpit and keep the pulpit straight. Hallelujah. 
You may be seated. We talk about revival, and we should. And we talk about soul winning, and we should. But I'm going to say today, we cannot have an apostolic revival unless we have an unshackled pulpit. There's got to be an unfettered pulpit. As long as the pastor is afraid to preach what God gives him because of what somebody in the congregation thinks, how much money they give, how their influence in the congregation, I'm telling you, the blessing of God is not going to be on that church. I'm not talking about a preacher being a smart aleck. I'm talking about a man of God that stands in the pulpit, that is heard from God, that preaches the Word of God. Saints of God, don't touch God's anointed and do His prophets no harm. Now notice... As Deborah continued to sing, there was a stern rebuke for some that didn't help in the battle. There was Reuben in verse 16. And uh, it said, Reuben, why didn't you fight? Why did you stay among the sheepfolds? It was safer over there. So Reuben, you didn't get involved in the battle. You stayed in the comfort zone around the sheepfolds. I want to say this, friend, you'll never see revival in a comfortable church. Hallelujah. You'll never see revival in a church that's living in the comfort zone. Somehow we've got to break out of it as preachers and as saints of God. And as Brother White just told us so capably, there's got to be a time that we get along with God. This is still God's work. This is still God's business. This is still God's church. Amen. And you can't have a move of God in the comfort zone. I pray the Holy Ghost will prod us this morning into a place and position of spiritual productivity until we make ourselves available to God and say, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Then the song continues. And the next verse is about Gilead. Gilead, the Bible said, would not cross Jordan. They were afraid to cross the Jordan. But they enjoyed the victory. I said they were afraid to cross the Jordan. If you cross the Jordan, then you're going to get over near where the enemy is and you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone and you're going to have to be exposed to the battle. And the Bible said that Gilead would not cross the Jordan. But they enjoyed the victory. Hallelujah. That reminds me of a certain young man several years ago in America. And he said, I don't think this war ought to be fought. And I don't think I should go to war. And I don't think I should uh, be inhibited from speaking my peace or going where I want to in speaking against my country. But when the war was over, he enjoys the spoils. In fact, today, he sits in the White House. I 
I'm sorry, Arkansas. Praise God. But instead of sitting in the White House, he probably ought to be in the outhouse somewhere. He's enjoying the spoils without the battle. Hallelujah. I said it's easy to enjoy the spoils without the battle. And the church can get that same mentality. But I believe God's going to raise up and he is raising up an army of apostolics in this hour that's going to be willing to fight. Willing to fight. The Bible says in verse 17 that Dan also was rebuked because the Bible said that Dan took refuge in the ships. Notice that. Dan took refuge in the ships. But the Godwin didn't want to fight. Took refuge in the, in the ships. And there's some people in this building today that's enjoying the church that you're going to without making much of a spiritual contribution to it. I'm not here to condemn this morning, but I said there's some people, and I felt it of God. There's some people in this place today that are not making much of a spiritual contribution to your church. But if things go wrong, that's usually the first person to find fault and complain. The church don't need fault finders. The church don't need complainers. The church doesn't need folks to say it can't be done. The church doesn't need folks to say we've never done it like that around here before. Hallelujah. There are some apostolic churches that are so set in their way and so set in their ruts that they can't have revival. They've been doing it the same way for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. An old man that I knew in Missouri, he used to say, do something if you have to do something wrong. Well, I'm not advocating that, but I am advocating let's do something for God. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, it is time for us to pull off our coat, roll our sleeves up a little, proverbia, and say, hey, we're going to fight the devil. Praise God. I like that old preacher that said, I'm going to fight the devil as long as I got a fist. I'm going to bite him as long as he got teeth. Then I'll gum him till I die. Praise God. Praise God. I believe it's time for the church to say, we, we're, we're, we're getting in a position and we're going to position ourselves for the battle. We're not looking for the easy way out. We're not looking for a cop out. We're not looking for excuses. Praise God, praise God. I've seen churches, I was in one here a while back, where uh, they start the service every night. They've been doing it, one man there told me, the same way for about 14 years. They start the service the same way. They do exactly the same thing. They, they, they sing almost the same songs. They sing almost the same courses. It's the same protocol. And uh, then wonder why we can't have a move of God. My Lord, I'd do something different if I had to preach first and sing second and take up the offering last. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Is anybody hearing me this morning? 
I said God's not going to bless a church that is set in the ways and set in the, the rut and they're going to continue to do it the same old way. There needs to be an openness to God. Spirit of God, breathe on us. Spirit of God, come to us. We need a divine interruption of the Holy Ghost. I said we need a divine interruption of the Holy Ghost that will come in and change our schedule and change our plans. Oh God, come in and change our service and change our schedule and change our plans. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I was in a service some time ago, and the gifts of the Spirit were operating, and the pastor stopped it. Didn't want it working in his church. Didn't want it moving in his church. Oh, hallelujah. I believe the gifts of the Spirit are the power tools that God has placed in the hands of the church. Listen, preachers and saints alike, we can't get so programmed that we know just how to do it. We know just when to stand and just when to sit. Hallelujah. The biggest need in the apostolic movement today is for us to get self out of the way and flesh out of the way and say, Spirit of God, take over, take charge, take control. Brother, if God wants to speak in a service, I say... Let's give him time. If God wants to do something different in the service, let's give him time. That it's not so cut and dry and dry and so routine and so programized that the Holy Ghost is left out. Somebody say praise the Lord. Oh, I want a move of God, don't you? Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. We can get our little one, two, three going, but that don't mean it's blessed of God. Hallelujah. There are preachers today that are becoming complacent and should not be. There are saints today that are becoming complacent and it should not be. Folks, we got a bigger job on our hands than we've ever had before in the existence and history of the church. Hallelujah. The Lord will work, but who will let him? I'm convinced that the greatest need of this hour is for a mighty and sovereign move of the Holy Ghost. I'm convinced that it will take care of most of our problems and our church troubles if we get a move of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm convinced the biggest deterrent against gossip in a church is a sovereign work of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. If somebody gets healed, praise God, we can stop the gossipers and start talking about what the Lord's done. We had a lady stand up in the church Sunday night, and uh, she's in her, in her probably upper 50s, and she went to a doctor uh, here about six weeks ago, and he said she had cancer. And uh, uh, so he was going to operate. And so he did operate. But when he went in to operate, uh, the church had been fasting and praying, Brother Morgan. And, and uh, the surgery was about five, six weeks ago now. And when he got in there, he and his team of doctors, he came back to her 
And he said, Miss Talbot, we can't find any sign of surgery. He apologized for doing surgery. He said, we can't find any sign of cancer. She stood up in our church this past Sunday night. And she said, I just went back to the doctor this past week. And he said, I can't find any sign of a cancer anywhere in your body. I want our folks to start talking about what the Lord's done. I said, we need a good report. I said, we need a good report. Praise God, praise God. If we can start talking about what the Lord has done, then maybe it will silence or neutralize the voice of the gossips and the critics. Glory to God. Glory to God. 23-year-old young man in our church, maybe 24 now, he, he moved to our city, went to college, and, and then he, he got out of college, got a good job, married a girl in our church, girl that was one to God on the bus route. Amen. And I know uh, bus routes are a thing of the past, but we don't, don't come to Durham and tell our people that because they still believe that you ought to run bus routes and go to jails and prisons and rest homes and teach Bible studies. And so if you, if you don't believe in evangelism, I, I hope you don't visit our church because you might leave a, a negative uh, influence there and uh, we wouldn't want that. Praise God. We got a bunch of folks that, that are gung-ho for the Lord. In fact, I met with them last week. I usually don't, but there was 87 of them in the room that work in bus ministry every week. And, and they brought in 607 last Sunday on the buses. And, and so, if you don't believe in bus ministry, don't tell my folks that. Because every week, there are folks being baptized off of the bus routes. Every week, folks are getting the Holy Ghost off the bus routes. Praise God. And you say, I don't want those dirty kids. Well, bless God, just go ahead and sit there in your ecclesiastical self-righteous garb. But I want every one of them I can catch. I don't care who they are, their race, their background, the side of town they live on. It doesn't make any difference. Every soul must have the gospel. It's the job of the church to reach the world with the gospel. Clap your hands, somebody. Let's praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. But Mark came. He got married. He's only been married about a year and a half. And his wife's expecting the first child. And he went to doctor back in about November and they said Mark you've got a huge mass behind your heart and it's inoperable we cannot operate on you and so uh, they said we want to do some treatments and so they started doing a few treatments and Mark lost all of his hair and he was pale as a ghost and, and uh, so he came to church one night and uh, he's only been in the truth about two or three years came out of nominal church and and we baptized him. He got the Holy Ghost there. And he said to me one night, he said, Pastor, if I die, I'm going to die believing this truth. He said, now you just mark it down. If it's my time to go, 
I'm going to die believing the truth. He said, God brought me here to find the truth from Pennsylvania. And he said, I'm going to die believing the truth. I just felt in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, a boldness. And I said, Mark, you're not going to die. You're going to live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so they quit giving him the treatments. And, uh, and I talked to him just last week. And he said, Pastor, I already felt in the Holy Ghost the church had already claimed the victory. But now his hair's all grown back. His color's back. He's back on his job. And he said, I went to the doctor this week. And he said, they checked me. And the mass behind my heart is totally gone. They can't find any sign of it. You know what I want to see? I want to see a move of God. I want to see apostolic revival. I want to see the gifts of the Spirit. I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see the Holy Ghost manifested. I want to see sinners brought out of sin. I want to see folks that are bound by tradition to be loosed by the power of God. And it's got to happen in this hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what? When you're reaching out to a lot of people and you reach for the poor and you go in the streets and lanes of the city and, and you just don't call anybody, I think God makes it up to you. God sees to it that you get some people. You say, I couldn't support a church and just bus route kids. Praise God. You'd be surprised what will happen if you just start reaching for everybody and not calling anybody. Is anybody here? I don't believe we ought to pre-choose and pre-select who's going to be saved. Nice looking couple walks in and we say, boy, we need them in the kingdom of God. Somebody walks in and don't look so nice, we have a tendency to ignore them. We're not going to have the revival that God wants to send with that type of mentality or attitude. You know what Jesus said? He said the poor have the gospel preached to them. You know what Paul said? Not many wise and not many noble are called. And Jesus said go in the streets and lanes and the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled.
Praise God. If they're a soul, they are a candidate for the kingdom of God. And the church must not call anybody. Hallelujah. Amen. I heard about two old boys went to school together. One of them was very highly intelligent. And the other one was about like me. His IQ was pretty low. And uh, they got out of school. And on their 10th anniversary of, the, of their graduation, the 10-year class met back together. The smart boy had just an average job. And the old dumb boy was a millionaire. Praise God. So, Brother Morgan, they got to talking. And the boy that was, had such a high IQ, he told the other guy, I said, I've heard you're wealthy. He said, well, pretty wealthy. He said, I heard you're a millionaire. And he said, well, that's right. And he said, well, you know, I used to have to help you in math. You never could get math. And he said, I had to help you. How is it that I'm working on just for average pay and, and, and always had to help you with your math and all the subjects and, and uh, you're a millionaire? Oh, he said, I don't know. He said, I went to work for this steakhouse and, and he said, uh, we got to working hard and, and then he said, I, I invested what I made and I bought a steakhouse and, and then I bought another. And he said, you know, he said, I pay a dollar for those steaks. And he said, I sell them for $4. And he, that's several years ago. He said, I, pay, I, 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 I buy them for a dollar and I sell them for $4. And he said, it's surprising how that 3% will add up. His math still wasn't right, but he's still making money. Hallelujah. My approach may not be what pleases everybody, but brother, if I can reach one soul for God, I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody say praise the Lord. You may be seated. We took that little church with those bus route kids and all of them and built a new building five years ago. And it cost, the auditorium cost 1.1 million. Praise God on a 15 year loan. And in three and a half years, those bus kids paid it off. <laughs> Amazing what them bus kids can do, ain't it? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now we don't know a dime on seven buildings and, uh, and 27 vehicles and don't know a dime to nobody. Now I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you it's amazing what can happen when we get our desire to do something for God. I'm challenging preachers today and saints of God to break out of the rut, to break out of the mold. Hallelujah. And say, bless God, I'm going to do something for God in 1997. This is my year to break out. Amen. Amen. There are some folks that if the church goes one week and there's a dry service, they're the first to complain. But they don't do anything to promote spiritual worship. There's some folks that never bring a visitor. And yet if the church goes a month and don't have one guest, they begin to wonder what's wrong with the pastor.
Are you still with me? Praise God. There's some folks that don't bring one soul to church. But if the church goes a month without anybody getting baptized or without anybody getting the Holy Ghost, they are the first to complain. Glory to God. I just feel like saying this morning that your church is going to be what you are. From the pulpit to the pew, the church is going to be what you are. Praise God. If you're a preacher here today and you're looking for preaching to become a good way to make a living where you can just stand up there and preach your little sermon and everybody get out and work for you and build you a big church, why don't you forget about preaching? That's not your place. I've seen preachers sit around, if I could take the liberty to say so. I've seen preachers sit around, local preachers in a church, and fuss because the pastor won't use them to preach as much as they want to. And sometimes they never bring a soul to church. They worship very little. They do very little to advance the program of the church. But they want to preach. Anybody here? Have you got anybody in Oklahoma like that? They just want to preach, bless God. They, they want to get up here behind the box about three foot wide. And you say, go teach a Bible study. That's beneath their dignity. Go out and knock doors. That's beneath their dignity. Go to a jail or prison or rest home. That's beneath their dignity. But now, pastor, if you'll let me preach, I'll be ready Sunday night. If that's your attitude, you need to stay out of the pulpit. In the, I, I, I'm saying some things I didn't plan to say, but I feel to say in the Holy Ghost. In the church that I pastor, if, if a man don't teach Bible studies, I don't want him telling me he's called to preach. If a man's not a soul winner, I don't want him telling me he's called to preach. If a man don't worship God, I don't want him telling me he's called to preach. If a man's not loyal to the pastor, I don't want him telling me he's called to preach. If a man don't stand behind the pastor, I don't want him telling me he's called to preach. I don't believe he's called to preach. Hallelujah. Go do something else. The pulpit is not a place for people to just show off their own personalities. It's a place for men of God and men of principle and men of ethics and men of character and men of vision and men of burden and men of purpose. Hallelujah. The truth is that some of these people that won't do anything for God, they are spiritual parasites. They're hitchhikers. You buy the car, you buy the gas, you pay the insurance. Spiritual hitchhikers. You know what the church needs? We need some workers. You know what the church needs? We need some prayers. You know what the church needs? Some people that'll fast. You know what the church needs? Some people that'll get a vision. You know what the church needs? Somebody that's got a burden. 
You want the church needs somebody that'll sacrifice. You want the church needs somebody that'll stand behind the pulpit and say, Pastor, even if I don't understand, you are God's man, and I am standing behind you. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I've preached a lot of funerals, 35 years of pastoring. And usually, it takes six live men to carry one dead one. Is that right? I said it takes about six healthy live men to carry one dead man. And in your church, for every deadhead you got, you need about six on fire full of the Holy Ghost apostolics to carry them. Hallelujah. 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 You need one babysitter for every baby. And some of us want a beefsteak revival on a hot dog dedication. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Oh, hallelujah. But I tell you, when we're going to have revival, when the whole church gets mobilized together, 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 together. I must move on quickly. I've got a great preacher following me, and I'm anxious to hear him. Amen. Let's look at Asher for a moment. The Bible said in this song of Deborah that Asher stayed at the seashore and sought safety in the little creeks and the outlets. They wouldn't get out there where the fight was on. The Bible said that Asher stayed at the seashore and just went around in little, little creeks and outlets. But they refused to go where the battle was. They enjoyed the spoils, but they weren't willing to fight. Hallelujah. But in all of this song of Deborah, in the fifth chapter of Judges, and in everything that she said concerning the tribes that would not get involved, I think the sternest rebuke and the sternest judgment of all was toward Mirage. Hallelujah. I don't know much about Mirage. I just know that the Bible says in Judges chapter 5 that Mirage, curse ye Mirage, verse 23, said the angel of the Lord, curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because, everybody say because, here's the reason Mirage was cursed, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. This was God's sternest and most severe rebuke. Hallelujah. 
Now soldiers were supposed to be sent out of every group and every tribe to help in the battle. But mirage would not help in the battle. Let me paraphrase. Mirage goes to the same church you go to. Enjoys the same benefits you enjoy. Enjoys the same building and facilities that you enjoy. Enjoys the same choir and music that you enjoy. Enjoys the same fellowship that you enjoy. Enjoys the same sermons that you enjoy. But Mirage was cursed because they wouldn't do anything about it. Now I'm asking you tonight, today, how often is it in the Word of God that God had a stern rebuke against this neutral position. If God hates anything today, it's the neutral position. If the Bible rebukes anyone, it's the fence straddlers. It's the comfortable people. It's the neutral crowd. It's that crowd that's half in and half out. I said, if God has any rebuke, it's for the fence straddler. Comfortable, neutral, half in, half out. Up one day and down the next. Some people in Pentecost, you go to church in one service, they're shouting. You go back to the next service, and they sit there as though they don't even know God. I don't care what kind of problem I have today, I don't have any problem with God. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you today that if I go to church and I've had a hard day, Brother Shatwell, and somebody's talked about me and things have gone wrong, but brother, that house of God is the refuge for my soul. It's the sanctuary of rest and a haven of rest for the soul. When I go to church, whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to sing. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to clap my hands. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to lift my hands. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to worship God. It has nothing to do with feelings. I'm a child of God. I've got the Holy Ghost. I'm born again. I've got a right to shout. Amos 6 and 1 says this, Woe to them that are what? At ease in Zion. He didn't say, Woe to them that are dead in Zion. He said, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. It's that lackadaisical, lukewarm and indifferent spirit that God's against. He didn't say, Woe to those that get drunk in Zion. He said, Woe to those that are at ease in Zion. He didn't say, woe to those that are drug addicts in Zion. He said, woe to those that are at ease in Zion. Hallelujah. He didn't say, woe to those that are the gays in Zion. Because I don't believe there are any gays in Zion. You get the Holy Ghost, it'll clean up your life. It'll change your life. There's no such thing as having the baptism of the Holy Ghost and practicing a gay lifestyle. Hallelujah. 
And I would to God that every man that's a red-blooded man would walk like a man. And talk like a man. None of this limp-wristed stuff. Hey, young men, when you raise up your hands to worship God, it's not like this. Come on, it's time for men and young men to be men. Hallelujah. I pray that God will deliver us from every spirit of effeminacy in the apostolic church. We don't want it. We don't need it. It's not of God. Hallelujah. 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 Well, I feel like just putting a quarter in the meter and parking there for a minute. 